how about that new intro, man? I've been sitting on that all week and, and ready to see everybody view that. Uh, shout out to Jameer from Flash Film Edits for making that for us. He did some stuff for our team last year, and it was phenomenal. Uh, if you go to his uh, Instagram, you can see all the cool transition stuff he's doing. He did this sick one with the Joker and all this other stuff. Uh, I'm excited to see what he does this fall, and he's doing some big things. What's up, everyone? We're 614 Headsets. Uh, we're your hosts. I'm going to introduce Ryan Sayers. Ryan, say what's up to the people. Back in action. The boys are back in town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got Donovan White. What's going on, everyone? Let's get episode two rolling. We're going to, uh, we got uh, uh, Nate Snedeker. Go and say hello. We're going to do some in a bit. What's up? Happy to be here. And then myself, Kyle Stout. Okay. Tom Brady said it best. Football is unconditional love, and we couldn't agree more. This game is a lifestyle, and that's kind of what we consider our show, a movement of that lifestyle. Uh, we are three high school football coaches from the Columbus area who just live and love this game. Uh, I just want to say thank you to everyone that took the time to watch or listen episode one. Like I know Coach Sayers had somebody message him and even ask about coaching opportunities. Uh, today I talked to somebody who I've never met and messaged me and said, you know, a coworker from work told him about the show and he loved it. And we struck up a conversation and, and, and talked about coming to a game. Uh, and honestly, it made my day, man. It was awesome to hear that. Uh, and I just want to say, you know, this is a big week. We're going to try to do things even bigger and better. Uh, but one thing we need is your help. We need you to, you know, subscribe and download and rate and review and all those things that help grow a show. And to help with that, uh, we're going to go through and from now and through the next week, through next episode, if you leave a comment or you leave a rating, we're going to randomly select one person to receive a prize from us, and it's going to be good, okay? Uh, but for today, Donovan, tell me what we're going to talk about. We've got a great show coming up. We're going to talk a little bit about the Under Armour All-American camp that happened this past weekend, get into some awards from Coach Sayers. We'll sneak peek at that. Uh, we're going to talk some offseason uh, with Coach Schnett and the rest of the crew. And then a, a big one, a big talking point is the possibility and kind of just the discussion around spring football in the state of Ohio in the future, if any, of revolving around that. So we got a good slate lined up for you all tonight. I love it. And I, it's going to be great. And uh, one thing, you know, how are we doing, boys? How is our week? You know, it's a big week in, in the 614 area. You know, we had uh, all over the last three days, there have been showcases put on to college coaches come back and see the top talent. Uh, you know, I, I know all of us felt like they went really well. And this has been going on for a couple of years, but I think this is the biggest year for this showcase stuff. Uh, you know, just to give a personal thing and just to talk about it, you know, the thing that I thought was really amazing was uh, seeing kids get offers that got their first offers. Mm -hmm. That was awesome to me. Uh, and, and then also to see the success of it. I felt like last year there weren't that many offers that came out of it. Maybe some did down the road. Uh, but, you know, I was looking around on social media today and it was something like as of today, and I'm sure it's even higher now, there were over 70 offers that were given in the last two days leading up to today. And I thought that's awesome. So, Ryan, tell us how yours went, man. I think ours was super cool. Honestly, ours was the first in the city like to have it done. So, and we hosted all the city um, league champions, right? The we tied the north with Beechcroft in the East um, and then Marion Franklin and uh, South High, they tied. So they had theirs today too. Um, 
And it went really well because a lot of times, right, the city kids are sleepers. A lot of time they don't get – they're not seeing, right, there a lot of times they might not have uh, colleges go to their games and things. And so I imagine after today um, there will be some offers rolling in um, across the city for the city league kids. Um, and, you know, talking with the coaches, obviously um, it wasn't as big as the OCC schools and things like that. But to still for ours, we had 26 guys show up to ours on um, Wednesday. And that was just – it was super fun. Um, and we had a blast and our kids. And I think that was the coolest thing is watching our kids engagement with college coaches. It's kind of cool. What, what I think is always kind of funny is to watch how our kids engage with them um, after they've engaged with you so long and just seeing how awkward they are. And like, they like get super nervous around the college coaches and it's like, dude, why aren't you just being yourself? But it's super funny and it's cool experience to experience with the kids. I think that's kind of the funnest part about it. Right. Is uh, watching them get to go through that experience. Um, but our kids, you know, they did a great job. And then also, you know, Northland high school set it over the top. I know Stout knows we uh, we handed out the glizzies today. Glizzy. So one of, one of the coaches um, even said he was like, OK, in Central Ohio, since Coach Sayers handed out the glizzies, I, I could take the crown uh, for having the best showcase. Just because none of you got nobody else around nope. Central Ohio fed the coaches. No, nope, we didn't do it. I'll tell you what, man, I – Football is all about stealing. We steal plays. We steal themes. We steal all that. We might be stealing that. I might be well, back in the Dodge Ram up with the grill. I'm not going to lie. It was funny because I didn't post it today to, that we were doing it because I knew cats like you would steal it. So mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, right. I'm not posting that I'm having refreshments because I'm like, I, I'm the only school that's going to do it first. Where it you know out. me. I'll outdo you. I'll bust a smoke around. I'll have, oh, I'll, have I'll be on. Yeah, I'll have brisket ready to go by the time they get there. That's ridiculous. But, hey, actually, though, who cares about our week? Because we got a good week coming up right now, like for episode two, because we everyone keeps saying Sned. Sned. Who's the Sned guy? We got Sned on the show. We got this Sned guy. Would a Sned even coach football? Oh, well, geez. absolutely. Toast Sned has actually been one of the, my best, like, mentors. Like, once I got into coaching, um, he was the guy that I went right to. I was under his wing on the defensive side at Pick North. Um, so, I'm just, like, super happy to have him on here. And it's always a good time to get back with old Snedy Wop on the uh, talking ball kind of things. So, we're excited to have Snedeker uh, on here. Um, so, Nate, what's been going on over at the JA side of things? Hey, just uh, working, man. I'm excited to be here. I know Sayers Stout worked with both of you guys at Pick North. Had a blast working with you guys. Learned a ton. Um, heard great things about Coach White. Just pumped to be on the show. I, I've been looking forward to this all week. Um, over at JA, we're just grinding through the offseason, working every single morning, getting after it. Um, just looking forward to getting to the summer and really getting like real, real football going. I love it. I tell you what, the, the combine just felt like a taste of it, though, right? Like you well, got the that weather itch. too. I the we- Finally, here in Ohio, we had seventy degree weather and it's sun, no rain, no nothing. But you know that like crisp cold. smell when you wake up in the morning? It's in the air. Like this morning, I woke up and there was a little bit of the dew on the grass. Right, it was a little crisp smell. I'm like, oh man, it's uh, it's feeling like football season. All right, I love it, boys. All right. Donovan, let's get it going. Transition us in this first one. First topic, we're getting the all gas awards from Coach Sayers, so let's get into it. I'm at all right. For those of you that don't know a whole lot about Ryan Sayers. 
We're going to get into a special segment where he gives his all gas awards on the UA All-American camp, which had a lot of our players and other players there. For those of you that don't know, like, why is it the all gas award? Well, for about four years, Coach Sayers said nothing but all gas, no breaks on everything. You could not even be around him without hearing it. And so for this segment and for forever on and the rest of the time of 614 headsets, it's going to be the all gas award. Ryan, you were boots on the ground. Talk to us. It, it was a beautiful weekend just based off the fact of being able to be around that many elite athletes. Like you're, they're walking through and every kid you see, you're like, well, I wish I had him. Well, I wish I had him on my team. Every old lineman that walks by, I'm like, if I have one of you, if I just have one of you guys on the O-line. But I think that, you know, my first award has to go to your guy, right? Mm -hmm. Like the number Slim one. Slim Reaper. Sleeper, right? Jake Grimm came out of nowhere. I'm down there watching the D-line um, thinking, you know, okay, they, these guys are top dogs on D-line. Jake Grimm is jump setting these dudes, putting his paws on him, making sure that they ain't getting off the line. And he had a phenomenal day against a bunch of power five dudes. Jake yeah. is, is a kid, man. I, when I, I, I sent him a text, I saw all these kids tweeting about him and saying MVP. And I sent him a text. I'm like, do you win something? And he goes, yep. MVP, the O line. And it was like the, the feeling of to see that kind of come together for him, but to also not be surprised because you know, he could put it together and do something like that. And it was it was awesome hearing the reports out of there. And I'm glad I'm glad I'm glad some people outside of the, you know, the Gahanna coaching side and maybe the OC side finally got to see a little bit of him, uh, you know, on this on this bigger stage. So I, I was super happy for him and I knew he was excited about it, too. Next, what I'll talk about is the quarterback that opened my eyes like, wow, that's the most beautiful ball I've ever seen thrown. Every ball looked like it was just floating perfectly. If he was throwing a laser over the middle, it was right on point. Um, I honestly thought he was going to get uh, – I thought he was going to be the guy that was um, going to get quarterback MVP for sure, and that's Tavian St. Clair from Bell Fountain. And Sned, I know you can talk a little bit about him because you play against him. Absolutely. Played against him the last two years. He, uh, I mean, everywhere I've been between Heath, Pick, North, and now J.A., he's probably the most talented kid I've had to coach against. I mean, just pocket poise, the way he understands offense. He can spin it. Like, throwing the ball is one thing. The kid can ad-lib. He can move. He can – just his vision, it's, it's above what his age is. He is well-coached. And even more so, you see the kid, he commands respect from his teammates. Uh, he leads on the field. A solid kid. I think I'm going to chime in. I uh, I actually, so uh, a couple weekends ago, I took our quarterback, Brennan Ward, to the Elite 11. And uh, he was in Brennan's group. And so as I'm following around Brennan, at the end of the day, I, I asked him who a couple kids were. And it was clear that the Elite 11 took their best kids that were there and slammed them in the same group. Uh, and I asked him who, who that was because he really did stand out. And I'm with you guys. He is smooth with the touch, man. Like sometimes you can't even coach that touch. And he's got a great touch to the ball. And I never watched this film. So this week I hopped on and I watched this film. And the other thing that really stood out to me is his pocket presence and the way he can move and extend plays. And actually right before we got on, uh, he actually just picked up a West Virginia offer and a Penn State offer. Right before I got on, I saw that today. Wow. So he's up to 15, 16 offers. 
and then he's having a big off season. And that's I'm with not you. surprising. That's not surprising. If you would have seen this week and what Snez saying, also how he commands respect from his teammates, if he can do this with randoms and come out here and just boom, boom, and telling them like, "Now nah, you're here," like, "Are oh, you good?" You know what I mean? You're you just break it here. He was just coaching guys up. He's just a football kid. He looked yep. great out there, and it was like it was special to watch him out there uh, competing, just because you know. And he didn't throw a bad ball, but like he still got on himself and felt some type of way when he threw it just a little bit off. He would like clap his hands, like dang it, but like still beautiful ball in my opinion. But he wants yeah. to be perfect. Smooth. He's crispy. But we'll move back up. We'll move on. I can't keep talking about Tavian. Um, so next one uh, is going to be my deuce, uh, Samuel Williams Dixon, committed to Ohio State. Super happy we got that kid. He stood out out of every running back by far. Right, like he just looks the part, huge shoulders. Right, um, now he's he's transferring from West Holmes to pick North um, for Coach Hillerich, and and you know Hillerich came by and was like, "Watch this dude, look at him!" And his five ten five was so smooth; it looked like he was floating on water when he ran his five ten five. Then I went and never seen his film, like you said, Stout. And I went and uh, you watched the first three plays, and then you're like, "Okay, that's Ohio State." But you you see why he has the offers that he has. Just yeah, in three I, plays. I, Absolutely. You can see the athleticism there. I saw the pictures from the, from the UA camp and he looked bigger than I thought he was or some older pictures I have seen. My only real question mark, though, is just that transition, that transition from where he was to what he's going to play in the schedule. And there's no doubt about it. He's a talent. He's smooth. And, and my big question mark is, will that same production be there? That, that's just all I can think of. No, that's a good question. I mean, you never know, right? High school football is different everywhere, but like, I think he gets around, you know, and I'm a firm believer, though, in my opinion, right? Like, is people make each other better, right? The iron sharpens the iron. If he's around better competition now and he's around better kids, just think about how much better he can get also being around guys that are going to make him better. I think he'll figure it out, too. I mean, I can, I've can i coached multiple divisions. I really think as soon as he sees that speed, he gets some time doing – like, the windows are smaller, in the OCC than a lot of other divisions, he's going to figure it out. And then, so next, um, we'll move on. So who do I got next? Oh, got to show the city some love, right? Got to show the city some love. Um, we had Talil Spikes there. I've seen this kid at all a bunch of the five-on-five -five stuff as it's real big. It's starting to get real big in Ohio, right? The five-on-five -five stuff. Talil Spikes, his get-off, it was – um, if it was the best it, or one of the best, if not the best get off of the weekend in, in his hands were quick guys were trying to jump to him. You've seen a, what I seen a lot of this week was, it was interesting. I, I don't know, Stout, you're more of an O-line guy. I seen a lot more jump sets like this week at the UA camp than I kind of have in the past, right? Instead of really kick sliding and kicking back, yeah. guys were getting right up on other guys. And I don't know if that's something that's starting to come into play more in these one-on-ones on the O-line side, but what Talil did that I thought was special and maybe he adjusted or maybe he's just used to these type of one-on-ones now that are, they're getting jump set a lot. His hands were quick. Boom. Once that guy shot his hands, boom, his hands were out. And yeah. I don't think I seen him lose a rep. I think to, to, to add in, to answer your question, I think, you know, the older you are, the more kind of uh, you can do stuff like that. You can change up how you set a guy because you understand those games that happen. 
Um, and I think what happens with these one-on-ones is you get these big areas and all this space for the D-line to work and nobody's working next to you to help you like it would be in real football. And so I think guys really throw in a jump set to really throw off the move that kids are like, oh, I'm going to go this. I'm going to speed the ball. I'm going to speed the one arm. You know, those things. Right. Just and it was to just, change that up. I thought it was cool, though. Like, it was interesting to see because mm-hmm. I seen a lot of jump sets this week. And, you know, you can see the guys that are, you know, good at those with their hands. They punch hard. They, they're powerful punch, right? Their first, you know, their first steps right up on you and they're shooting their hands. They have a good post push. So they do. You can see the difference in those kind of jump sets where the guys have been coached right um, to the other guys. And I think, though, like to Leo, getting back to him. He got guys' hands down. He flew off the rock. Um, he was super coachable, too. Every time the coach, um, the hips, hands, feet guy that, you know, runs on armor, D-line stuff was coaching him. His eyes were right on the coach. And I just think he has, he's going to be great. And he's only a sophomore. Mm-hmm. Well, so, well, and these kids are going to be on social media, and they get to see some of those, like, NFL cut-ups, those college cut-ups, where when you already have the size and talent and athleticism, especially O-line, D-line, where you can really – Maybe I bias a little bit. You can look at the technique of it all when someone posts, you know, Tyron Smith doing a jump set real quick. I'm not saying you're, you know, a high school kid's as talented as Tyron Smith, but you can start to visualize a little more in today's day and age, seeing these clips that those NFL guys, those NFL line guys will post all over Twitter and the rest of social media. Absolutely. So I, I think that's huge. Um, so our next guy that I I picked for the all gas awards um was a guy's committed to Ohio State as well, right? Garrett Stover, right down the road, big walnut. Um, looks like a Ohio State linebacker right now. That's some of the uh, look. I I know Stoutman watched this film. Who's all? Uh, have you guys all three watched this film? I watched it the other day, and I, I let me tell you what I liked. Okay, one, he's just a tough-nosed, corn-fed kid and <laughs> linebacker. You know what I mean? He, he pursues the ball well. He's tough. But the number one thing that stood out to me and watched this highlight film, he's always in the position to just make the perfect tackle. This kid knows how to control his body. He knows how to, you know, gator roll, clamp on here, you know, all those things you defensive guys do. The thing that stood out to me, he could track the ball, knew where he wanted to be, Put his arms on you. It was a clean tackle every time. He controlled himself so well. Was just such a good tackler. Well, what else we got for him? I know you guys have all watched this film. Snatty, Don, hey, who we got? Big thing. I, I mean, he goes right with what Stout was saying, man. Like the instincts, number one, but number two, to put yourself in that position. The kid's got to study film. Like he's got to understand football. And there's a lot of high school kids playing the game because so they love the game, don't necessarily understand it. Kid definitely understands to put himself in those positions. He's slippery, man. Like, like what Sned's saying. Like, there's probably times most kids are being coached, hey, you got to get over the top and cut it back inside. And he undercuts stuff and makes a tackle. But that's like what you said, the vision and the film stuff and understanding how he could do all that. I'll give this to Ohio State, too. It feels like it's been a little while, and maybe it's just me. There feels like they're dipping back into some of the local defensive talent, right? Like, you got – Gabe Powers, I think, is a freshman now from Marysville, I want to say. Now you're getting Stover. Granted, your, your your brother goes to Ohio State, so it makes it a little easier, right? But you're dipping more into this talent pool that maybe it's just been a couple of years past kind of thing, but I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just me. They're dipping back into it, which is always a good sign. And the last thing I'll say about that kid is, man, does he know how to use his body stout so if you go back and watch there's one clip on twitter where he makes this interception right 
you know that you he's okay so he's defending as a linebacker most people that are going to watch this podcast understand right you got to use the sideline as your partner right he slows his rep down knowing that the guy that's running his out route whatever route that was ran is running out of real estate so you know garrett slowed himself down mm-hmm. and went and undercut it and made the pick and got his one right foot in as i watched that play i'm like thinking the same exact thing Stout's saying, right? Like this kid knows how to use his body and he gets football just like Sned said because when you know he's running out of real estate, he can't keep running there. I'm just going to slow down. You know what I mean? Was, it was against the Michigan kid, right? The Michigan yes. commit. Yes. Yeah. Well, let's yeah. hope there's a lot more of those in the future. I'll take that all day. <laughs> I'll take that all day. Um, and this, So that was like my last word and that was in no order, right? Those are all kids that just yeah. dominated the day. Had a great Diamond, day. Put that image back up mm-hmm. one more time and then go ahead and talk about your honorable mention, guys. Honorable mention, I got to throw this guy in, Brian Robinson. He got um, invited to the Under Armour game. He is a D lineman from the Austin Town Fitch High School where legends come from, baby. Mm-hmm. Um and then you got hey, Brandon- hey, just so everybody knows, that's where Ryan's from. All right. We oh, yeah. Know, know these connections. <laughs> no, you you know what I mean? That's where legends come from. Thank you, Kyle. Um, next will be Brennan Ward, right? Dude was slinging the rock. If it wasn't Tavian Wright throwing perfect balls, it was Brennan throwing perfect balls. And I think Brennan has a huge upside stout. You guys coach him. You guys get to see him each day. That man looks in, and he's gotten taller, right? Like, am I tripping? Or there's there's a big battle going on right now. You know, when you talk about Ohio quarterbacks, you hear about the Montgomery kid from Finley, obviously Tavian and, and, and Brennan and a few others. But you know, just at yesterday's combine, one of the uh, guys that goes, Mick Walker, Mick Walker, who goes to all of these different places, said, uh, hopefully he doesn't mind I said this. Uh, now he thinks Ryan and Brenner are the two kid, two best kids in Ohio. You know that that was what his phrase is. Um, you know I, I I firmly believe in our guy. He's a, he's a gamer man, and I it's going to be fun as he he's a he's just a baby still man. He started a couple games as a freshman, a sophomore. Hey, it's going to be fun. Hey, if you call that man a baby, I hope I get a baby. <laughs> yeah, this guy. Last guy we all know. Talk about that last guy, Preston. We all know Preston. Uh, Every one of us know Preston. We've got to work with Preston. We've got to coach against Preston. We've got to coach Preston. We've got to – Preston Bowman, man, is that dude a dog or what? I walked up to Hillers right in the middle of the camp. I was like, wow, that dude's an animal. He dunked on like three kids as I'm watching. He's grabbing balls right out of the air. He on his – you know, he's catching smooth, boom, tucking and running, perfect burst. And then the dude's a ball of muscle. I don't know if you guys have seen him in a minute since we've coached him. He's gotten thicker for sure. Wow. He's gotten way bigger. And I just think he's a great kid, right? Not never's never been cocky like and I just no. gotta show him love, right? Every time he sees me. I I, you know, only got to coach him a little bit when he was mm-hmm. in middle school, right? He still comes up. Coach Sayers, what's up, man? Did it. Great kid. I think he's going to have a huge year. He has some offers rolling in. I think he's going to have a huge Yeah, he's got a lot to see. Yeah. Great family, too. Dad's awesome. You know, oh, dad's, dad's Dad a played at Miami University, right? <laughs> Reynoldsburg. He's a Raider. Yeah. Yeah. Good, so, great dude. Yeah. Great. And Preston's the kid you want, like, your kids you're coaching now to see how he preps and does all of his stuff. Like, he looks the part. He plays the part. He works the part. He preps the part. Like, that's that's big-time stuff. That's all you can ask for in high school, honestly. Like, if you get those little nitty-gritty things down and then you have the talent, that's all you can ask for. That's got to be cool, right, Stout? Like, I get it. Like, you're over at Gehanna now, but that has to be super cool in some sense when you're out there coaching your guys that you got now, but you're also seeing the success of the kids that you've already been with pre- previously. 
Yeah, it's awesome. And you can draw on that too. Like, you know, we had a player yesterday who's going to be a D1 kid and he didn't perform as good as maybe he wanted to and shared the same story of like, you're going to make it, man. Like you didn't have your best day today, but trust me, I'm saying you're going to make it. And, you know, the, the same thing about this, these combines, though, I will say like, yeah. Love my kids to death, right? They went hard, went hard. But man, can you see the kids' nerves when they are? Yeah. You start looking at the gate and now here comes, mm-hmm. you know, we have one guy, Kent State was there early, right? Like we got one guy. So that's kind of funny at the beginning. They're all looking at him like, okay, who's he from? Where's he from? Then I turn around and now we have, you know, 15, 16 guys walking through the gate as they're making their round. You know what I mean? And, yeah. Um, but that's good though. Like the more you can put your kids in those types of pressure situations, I feel like the more it's going to pay off in the long run for them in the season and later on in life too. So, you know, Hey man, Mr. All gas, we're going to keep that segment. You did a fantastic job being boots on the ground for us, but now we can't keep the people waiting. It's time to talk about Jonathan Alder pioneer football. The J.A. Boys, July. July 9th, I get to see him. I ain't worried about that. (laughs) Yeah, we all go get seven on again. Mm -hmm. I get to see both of you guys. I love Mm -hmm. it. It was a great time last year, man. I can't wait. Now, Coach Sned, uh, this is your first time on this show, obviously, and we had to do a little background introduction for each one of us. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us, obviously, I'm kind of the odd man out right now. I think, you know, Coach Sayers, Coach Sned, you guys are both head coaches. Coach Stout, you have been at one point. I can relate, you know, for the one year of experience being a coach, but I can't relate to being a head coach and and the journey that it you know takes to get there, that it takes to maintain at that pace. You know, tell us a little about yourself. Tell us about your journey, how you got to be head coach, what it's been like. Give, fill, fill the viewers and the listeners in a little bit. Yeah, when I was uh, talking to Stout about what, what this was going to be about, I was like, how did you get to be where you're at as a head coach? I was like, I really haven't been coaching that long. You think about it, it's been 14 years, three different schools. Like, all of a sudden, you start putting stuff on paper, and you realize, man, it has been a trip. Uh, got Graduated from Miami University in 2009. Got my first uh, football coaching job at Heath High School. Spent eight years there. Loved every minute of it because uh, I worked under a head coach, Mark Collier, who was over like super demanding. One of the smartest dudes ever been around. Um, made me a head freshman coach my first two years. I tell you what, you want to be a head coach? Go be a freshman head coach somewhere because you got to call the offense, you got to call the defense, you got to call the special teams. You got to be the. Tra- I reset a kid's finger at one point. I'm pretty sure. Like you got to, you got to learn a little bit about. Right, so yeah, those are hey the medical thing. We all does that back. Hey, way to use your PAP, baby. Nice job. But it was it was it was a great experience. I know Sayers knows the head coach over there now, Tim Ward. He was the DC, the offensive coordinator, uh, coach householder. I mean, I learned a crap load of football in eight years there. Um, loved it there. Loved the community. Had the opportunity when my wife and I moved to Pickerington to get a job at Pick North. Moved over there right when uh, Coach Hillrich got the job. Man, I tell you what, Sayers Stout, you guys know coaching with Nate is a blast. And it was an eye-opening experience, man. All energy. 
Um, big on keep kids hungry. I mean, Sayers, you talked about that a little bit in the last uh, podcast, um, but learned a ton super fast in four years coaching with some really, really good come coaches. On, come on, give me one for one good time. Box bros, baby, up in the box. <laughs> <laughs> one time, sure. one time. But yeah, great time. And you guys know the coaches over there are outstanding. Like uh, I know Sayers and I still go back and forth talking about what a what a good mind Kyle James had for the game. I mean, unreal, unreal. I like the, that's I think though, like at Pick North, right? It's such a special place. Like you see where everybody's like getting close as as it still talks, still stays together, talks all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Like I think you know. Love Nate that that's right. There's a lot of people either you hate Nate or you love Nate, right? Like, and and I think you know when you get that chance to coach with him and understand what his philosophy is, what he's doing there, the things that they do for their kids. How can you hate a guy that's like him? You know ditto, what I'm saying? Yeah, ditto. ditto. You, your perceptions change a lot when you get to know Nate and you become friends with him and family. Like your family when you coach with Nate, and you coach with him, and then still to this day, I feel like I defend Nate to people and, and so that's a really great point right yeah but everything he does is for the kids for the program yeah right. and that's putting the culture together in the staff right like and i think that's huge like that's where you have to make love it between your staff and like we all loved each other and, like remember when we almost fought each other all the, after the one loss against westerville central <laughs> yeah which yeah which time which time yeah. <laughs> hey, name a tuesday in the middle of the season no this was this was Slamming the door and staying there till 2 a.m. I remember it. <laughs> Sayers and I were getting ready to fight all you. <laughs> you two were at it at least once a week. O-line, D-line, at least once a week. Oh, that's all love and practice, baby. Oh, no, yeah. We were good. But keep going, Stan. Keep yeah. going. So great experience. Learned a ton about ball. Uh, and actually, it was a little bit of my uh, Heath connection that kind of landed me out this way. The head baseball coach was a, a Heath grad, called up the head coach now over at Heath. Hey, you got anybody that could be that, you know, potential head coach? I knew J.A. because I grew up in the Dayton area. And, I mean, they've their program has been unbelievable. Our program has been unbelievable. So to have the opportunity to make the jump from, you know, an assistant coach at Pickerington North to a head coach at Jonathan Alder, I, it was like a dream come true, man. Uh, obviously it was a, it was a job that I had circled. If this ever was an opportunity, I got to go there. Um, and so I think between my eight years at Heath, my four years at pick North, it, it kind of prepped me like you're never prepared for your first head coaching job, but it prepped me about as good as you possibly could. And, and that's a great thing. Cause I had something down in, uh, you know, Donovan after one game asked me a little bit about, uh, I'm a meathead, knuckle dragger. I want to pound the ball in your face. You know what I mean? He just asked me a little bit like, how did you get to where you were to know about so many different positions and things? And I said, you got to throw yourself to the fire, man. Like you're going to fail, but you're going to learn so much through that. And one thing I wanted to ask you is as you made that transition, what do you feel like has been the hardest part in becoming a head coach? Yeah, I mean, it's funny. People ask that all the time. You get like all the standard stuff. I actually have four things written down just knowing it was coming. The first thing I always said this, being an assistant coach, like your relationship with your position group and O-line guys are different, man. You guys are tight, right? 
when I had my linebackers, when I worked with D-line, those were my guys. And the hardest thing is separating yourself from that small group and looking holistically, looking at the whole picture. Like you can't focus on your 10, 11, 12 guys at your position. You got to focus on 60 guys. Now all of a sudden you got to learn 60 guys' background stories. You got to learn what their academics are. You got to learn what their family is. You got to motivate them. And sometimes as a coordinator, I don't know what's going on because I feel like I bounce around so much and I'm not tied to a position and I'm asking my guys, like, hey, how did that go? Are we okay? Are we going to be okay? Like, are we going to make that passing concept and different things and seven on seven? How did it go? Man, I'm with you. Yeah, I, I was worried about losing the relationship side. And it is hard because I was a big relationship guy. I Sayers saw it. You saw it. Like, defensive side, when I had my linebackers, man, we were tight. And I, I pretty much modeled that off of UO line guys because, again, you guys are, are oddly tight when it comes to a position group. We got a good bond. Some about the big uglies in the group. Goon yeah. squad. <laughs> Love it though. Love it. Gotta stick together every time the D line beats them up. Yeah. <laughs> the the Gehanna line is called the trench mob. So we got a little little background though. You know what I'm saying? Mob bosses. You know, the D line <laughs> scrapes that O line every one on one rep. And then here goes O line. There's so much space, guys. <laughs> We can't, we can't. It's it's for the defense to win. Go ahead. No bull rushing. No bull rushing. Not let me hear it. It's for so, the no no no. So so Sned, one of the most interesting things that I really want to get in and talk about is your whole background has been being a defensive coach. Mm-hmm. You go to Jonathan Alder, you become the head coach, and then you start coaching the offense. So I want to ask you. You know, why the switch? Like, what made you make that switch? That is not a traditional thing to happen. And to you, like, what's been the most difficult? What have you learned? How's it impacted you? Just talk a little bit about that process of why you switched and what you've come learned about it. So he had you a dream, out. Huh? He had a dream and realized, like, dang, maybe I should just do offense. That's all. <laughs> you want to score points, baby. Yeah. I- <laughs> If you go far enough back, when I was at Heath, my last couple of years, I was actually the quarterback coach and safety coach and assistant DC. So again, coaching at a little bit smaller of a school, man, I coached everything. Now, when I say, you know, I was DB assistant DC, I was a safety coach and the quarterback coach. It happened to be the same kid and he was pretty stinking good, um, which made me look good. But I always, always loved offense because once I got to JA, I knew I had to switch to that side to control the game and to keep some consistency. I feel like offense is the hardest job to bring somebody new in. And I never want to hire somebody and be like, hey, you can't go take a head coach job. You just installed the offense. You know, I want guys to be able to go and pursue their dreams. So if it's going to come down to consistency, it's going to come down to controlling the game. I wanted to be on the offensive side to be able to do that. And that's a good point. Like I, I listen to a lot of other podcasts and they talk about the NFL dilemma. And how, as a defense, why, like, why are so many offensive guys getting head coaching jobs and not defensive guys? And it's that dilemma of if you're the defensive head coach and you hire an OC and he does great, he's gone. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And it's a constant thing. So that's a very interesting point. And it's, it's you know, it also came down to uh, the guy that called me from JA, the head baseball coach, Craig Kyle. He was like, you know, it, if you're going to come in, we don't have any coordinators here right now. Like, if you're going to make an impact, offense seems to be the way. 
And I was lucky that I had a former head coach guy with a, a lot of years experience that I could pass the defense off to. And he took it and ran with it. Now I got Chris Roberts, who I know Sayers knows, and he's incredibly smart football coach. So, you know, I trust the defensive side to those guys. And I feel like I can make a bigger impact as a head coach on the offensive side. I'm still pissed at you. We haven't met about inside zone. I'm just going to tell you that mm -hmm. right now. True, true story. We need to do. Hey, you did hook us up, though, with some good stuff. I'm pissed. I'm just saying. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, there was a bunch of parts to that question, man. Uh, impact, if you talk about impact, all of a sudden I had to change my thinking. I, when I went into JA, I wanted to go under center. I wanted to be pro-I, similar to what we did at Heath, and then be multiple off of that install. When I got there, I'm looking at my kids. I got some big physical kids. I'm like, this is going to be great. We, it, it wasn't us. Our kids struggled from under center. They had been gunned for years, so just kind of took it. A little bit of Gus Malzahn, a little bit of the previous coach, a little bit of, hey, we can still be a power run game, do it from the gun, try to figure it out from there to make our kids more comfortable. No, I love it. I mean, I I think what's a little bit different is you're always going to somewhat fail a little bit as an offensive guy. A little bit. There's going to be times that you fail and you think this concept is going to be perfect for you or your squad, but you're going to learn a lot through that at times. I think that's great. You guys got anything for him? Mm -mm. I think it's pretty cool. You know what I mean? He's had that transition of switching an offensive guy to a defensive guy, and then he was a defense. I mean, you know, Snetty, Snetty's just a football guy in my mind, though. You know yeah. what I mean? Because if you coach both sides of the ball. Um, you know, I I want to ask you, though, Sned, on the coaching staff side of things, like hiring your staff, what was, like, one thing that you were like, I have to get? this on my staff, like this personality or something that's just a non-negotiable for you that you have to find this one personality or this one guy that will change your program. What's like one guy or one person, something like that that would change it for you and that you have. Yeah. That's, that's a tough question, man, because uh, we're a smaller staff, you know, so there's not a lot of moving parts and pieces. My non-negotiable when I went in was, hey, the previous head coach, Coach Glass, heck of a head coach ton of success. How many of his guys can I keep at JA? How many JA guys can I keep when I move across the city and try to keep on staff? And I was lucky to keep just about all of them. And so we were able to continue, you know, big transition with me coming in, um, but able to have some consistency with that winning pass that they had had and, uh, you know, something that the kids were already comfortable with. So that was my non-negotiable. Who can the kids go to to make this transition easier? Yeah, I think that that is really good because Jonathan Alder for years has been a really good program of traditionally winning championships and going to the playoffs. And, you know, you're the right man for the job. You walked into a great situation. Uh, I tell you what, I'm excited for this next topic, though. OK, and I even thought about some new points today. Um, Ohio, man, we're a great state for football. But we all know we're lagging behind teams from the South and California and things. And it's because we have the most strict uh, regulations out of anybody. And so, you know, our next topic is can Ohio successfully have spring ball like other states? Just so everybody knows, if maybe this is your first time hopping in, Ohio's not allowed a spring ball. OK, uh, there are states down south, California, Florida, you name it, 
where there are teams that get anywhere from 10 practices or more and get to play a spring game. Mm-hmm. And we don't get that. In fact, when I was a senior in high school, I went to Kentucky camp, which was a padded football camp, and wasn't even allowed to bring pads. And I felt like an idiot when I showed up and wasn't allowed to like compete in one-on-ones and stuff because it would have voided my eligibility and things. And I'm standing there like, I can not smoke these kids. This is driving me nuts. Uh, so we're the one of the most restrictive states there are. And uh, I just want to have a great conversation about can we ever in Ohio, with our climate and situation, ever successfully have the spring ball situation as other schools? Okay. Uh, I think that's a great talk. And to talk about viewers, let you know a little about our offseason. In the offseason, we're only allowed to do individual work with up to seven kids at a time. We're not allowed to have any more than that. It's definitely been a hot topic here in our state. Uh, our, you know, OHSA has just allowed us to start practices earlier, um, a little bit earlier. So we're trying to inch there. But what do you guys think? Like, can this ever happen? Will it work here? Can we have the same as everybody else down south, in other words? If we don't, if if we if Ohio doesn't, at the bare minimum, like I, I've never understood this. I, I didn't understand it as a player. I I don't understand it even more as a coach. What is the point of having a, a, a cap number for anything you do in the offseason, you know, as it relates to football? What's the point of saying, oh, we can't bring the entire D-line together, even if it's, if it's eight guys instead of seven? Never understood that. And if the state doesn't at least start to shift and give good signs towards even doing the bare minimum like that, then spring football is a long way away. And it w- it drove me nuts in college to meet some of my college teammates that were from Georgia or a few from Texas or from Florida and talk about the, you know, where's the best high school in the country? Where's the best, where do the best players come from? And yeah, I get California and Texas are big. I, I get that. But when you look at those States that are Georgia, you know, Ohio, when you get, uh, you know, Illinois sprinkled in there a little bit, the 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 folks down south don't seem to understand how big of an impact not having spring ball is for Ohio. And and I think that impact's only gonna get bigger unless the state does something. But it's also crazy. Like what blows my mind is like they that like they say that we're gonna take away from our spring sport kids, our track kids, all that stuff. I have kids that go all my DBs, all my guys are all track kids. You know what I mean? Every one of them go do track. Pretty much across the city, that's the same thing. But what's crazy to me is that we can still get our seven-on-one work in while they're in track. Mm -hmm. And if you have a good relationship with a track, the track coach, right, and you can figure out the schedule to where it can work, and everybody's in it together for the success of the kids, then it can work. But it takes a little bit of having a good relationship with the track coach, or, you know what I mean, making sure that your kids aren't skipping track to come to football and being in court, coordinating that. And, and it should be super easy because we do our seven-on-one work right after track practice because they changed it to where now you can work out in this, on the, at the same facility, you know what I mean, just in your different pods. And so now after, we'll, we'll run all our guys, like baseball will go, uh, baseball will come over, track will come over, and we'll split up into our groups. And it works out really well. But at the same time, it's tough because, you know, if I want to run four, you know, four receivers, 
right? And then one quarterback. Now that's five kids already. You see what I'm saying? In your seven one, if you're trying to run a little bit of something like that, that's already five kids. You're not, you really have one, two backups. That's it. To just go ahead and rotate with that. That's not going to help as much with timing and things like that. To where why not just let the kids be with their coaches? But you're letting them go do seven ons with these other coaches and other different outside entities, but you can't be with the coaches that have to have a PAP and have certifications. This is what's wild to me. The now kids are on these seven on seven teams and can go seven on seven with these people we have no idea and certifications and be on these things. And I, I just remember about five years ago, I was at a Glacier clinic and I was listening to this guy from California talk. And he said, they just got so tired of trying to police everything. They just opened everything up. They just said, fine, y'all practice as much as you want and do what you want. Um, and I did a little digging, okay? And it was interesting. Ryan, you started on point number one. And I just thought, like, why don't we have this? Like, why? And uh, point number one from the response from the Ohio High School Athletic Association was that spring sports participation. You know, they said in the, in the memo that they put into the newspaper, the media, was they were worried about, you know, how that could affect the participation of spring sports, uh, they're worried about students specializing in one sport. Um, and and then they, they talked about some other reasons, too. And then it got really interesting when they said this. If spring football practice was permitted, the catastrophic insurance policy would be much more expensive. The current policy, which is more than $700,000, is paid by the OHSAA not our member schools. And so I understand we're trying to protect spring sports and everything else. And then we get into the money side of things. You know what I mean? Uh, what do we think? What I mean. Now I'm, I'm coming from a different perspective, man. Uh, being at a smaller school, we just moved from D3 to D4. A lot of my football players are playing baseball. I don't want them practicing with me right now because if their starting pitcher gets hurt, they were, I think our baseball team's 22 and one, something like that. Like phenomenal baseball program. One of their baseball players gets hurt on my watch. I'm going to be freaking sick, sick. Now on the other end of that, like I, I get having more time. I am full on. Like wh why do we have limitations over the summer? Hey, Coach, wouldn't you be sick if that if any player gets hurt at any time? Yeah, but why increase the risk with two practices? How does it, having two practices increase the risk? Because you're doubling up your amount of time doing physical activity with something. He gets hurt playing baseball. Like, listen, that, that stuff happens. Injuries happen. I get that. Everywhere. He could be walking down the but side. In of the season. In season. You are competing in season for this program, for your school. If I get them hurt doing something at football when it's baseball, when it's track, that's going to make me sick as a coach. Because, again, you go back to my experience, my favorite year that I had, I played five sports over the course of my freshman year. Favorite thing in the world. Had spring football been a thing, take those five sports, cut it down to maybe two. When spring ball is only two weeks? I th But the hard thing is, is this. Like, we have to understand the difference – 
of Ohio climate and when we start in other schools. And a lot of people don't understand this, and we kind of do because we're around the situation. But down south, a lot of their spring sports start much earlier. And so when they finish, like let's say by like May, spring sports are done in May or around somewhere in there, and they get that window where they could squeeze in those 10 practices. Whereas for us, spring starts much later. There's a bunch of games that get canceled and rescheduled, and then you get into the postseason. It's just a different time frame. And, and for me personally, I don't ever see Ohio high school having spring ball. And it's not because of the want to or the parameters or thing. It's the climate and it's our schedule that I think is going to present the biggest problem long-term. Well, then you played at Ashland, didn't you coach? Yeah, I played it. Did you in spring ball? Did you guys play outside? We you guys didn't. Did you guys? You guys didn't have an indoor turf, right? Correct, but that's in college, brother, where you're not having to compete with anything. Like what we're saying is, I just disagree. I, that's cool. Like I love opinions, no, and that's why they sure. are opinions, and that's why this is a podcast. But I disagree. Two weeks with your respective sport, right? Splitting time with your guys can be easy to manage, easy to work out. I do it with baseball. I do it with track. I do it with basketball. I do it with all those sports, and it it works great because all our coaches are on board. I guess what I'm saying is this. I think the, the hard part is I understand what you're saying. You could find that window and do it. I'm saying the hard part is from the schedule standpoint. Down south, their spring sports are done when they start that window. You know what I mean? Whereas us, ours aren't going to be done in Ohio. Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of my main point of what makes it hard. Like, for example, here in Ohio, we have now made it so you can use your coachable days. What is it, like two weeks earlier, like May, May 15th? 15th. Yeah. I'm shooting it off, yeah, but May like 15th. So we sat down as a staff and looked at the schedule and said, okay, like when can we build these practices in? And we started to look at when the district and regional and track and different meets were. And all of a sudden it started to become like, we can't, we can't practice any of these days if we want everybody. And so our first practice is on a Sunday because that's when we know we can get everybody. And, you know, I'm a firm believer, right? I don't have everybody every day, right? Like my dudes, Zion, JJ, Amir, you know, the guys that are running our four by one team, they're going to cities and everything like that. But for me, if I can take and not have every kid, and this is my philosophy, you might got, you guys might think different, but if I can get these 14 kids that no matter what, whatever, right, and I can split them into my two pods, even if I don't have everybody, well, I'm getting 14 kids to come do something no matter what, and they're getting more reps than those kids. So who cares if those kids at track and baseball don't come? I'm going to work with the kids that show up and coach my ass off no matter what, whoever's at my practice, even if it's 14 or 30. Well, I don't think there's anybody disagreeing with that. I mean, no. 14 or 30, I'll, I'll take anybody I can get to work so with. Why don't we, sure. why we just do that? I agree. No, I didn't disagree with that. No, no, no. But I don't, I just don't think. But that like, but Stout's point was he can't get all his kids there. So they have to practice on a Sunday. Why not take the kids that might not get all those reps and that you can get show up? Why not take the kids that you can get? So but that's, go ahead, that's well, I was going to say, that's the other aspect too. It's like, even if everyone's situation is different, I mean, it like Stout and I were lucky where we have 
bigger numbers on the team itself compared to other schools in, in Columbus or in the state even. And so we all remember those times like you see a kid that is maybe a younger experienced or JV level player and you see them like do one thing and then you, a month later you're like, oh, that got better. And then a month later, it's like, oh, that got a little better. And then like end of the season or beginning of the next season, like, man, that got way better. And I picture not necessarily the kids that are the, you know, the all state track sprinters, right. That are, you know, a starting wide receiver in the varsity level or corner, but I picture the, the, the JV left guard who's fighting for time and how much better does that one step that you normally see get better over four months, how much quicker does that, you know, get better within five extra practices, six extra practices. And and here's the thing also, like you have those kids like showing up every single day, like getting that extra work and you want your twos to be better and continue Mm -hmm. to get better throughout the year. So like, if I'm able to provide that to them when those guys ain't coming, like if I don't have my stars and we've played college football, right? If you play college football, I know for a fact that ODU are starting quarterback, our starting running back, our starting receivers, like our dog dogs are not out there practicing, going and getting every rep. In college, you you know when you're a freshman and you get your first spring ball, that's your biggest time to shine if you're not just that dog that's getting your freshman playing time. For sure. So I, think that's, I, I think I would take that into high school as well as my dogs that are running in track and making regionals, making districts, are usually going to be my starters on football. So mm-hmm. why not let me go ahead and get these young guys? And, exactly. and you know, we've grinded it out with these seven-on-ones. And I know – I'm not saying you guys don't do that, but I'm just responding to Stout's rebuttal of I, I don't get all my kids no, that's there. Great. My opinion is just yeah. I don't care if I have all my kids there. I, I, I'm with you. I think it would be great if they gave us the parameters to do it. But what I'm saying is – and my belief – will never match and be the same as the other school as the other states that have it die on a hill and a lot of its climate but like dude some of these schools are having spring scrimmages and stuff too which is amazing um but the last thing i wanted to talk about is and this is the first time i heard this um but OHSAA says high school football exposure to college coaches and the talent level in Ohio have not been hurt due to lack of spring football. And actually, I'll be honest with you, this is the first year I've heard the opposite. In fact, I've heard feedback back that uh, when it comes to all things equal and they're looking at a kid, maybe a certain position, that colleges are starting to look at kids from the South more and thinking they have a more polished player from the aspect that they have been coached more year round and had more practices. So um, I think the OHS and, and Ryan, your brother works for the OHSAA, which I've been <laughs> sitting on. Have you talked to him about this? So everybody knows Ryan's brother works for the OHSAA. And I'm washing dishes today, and I'm thinking, Ryan's brother works there. <laughs> Ryan, what has he had to say ever about it? My brother's on the compliance side of things, transfers and anything like that. My brother's not on that. And, the, you know, everything that I go with football to him, you know, Ron's uh, completely different than me. I think everybody knows Ron is not – he's real profet- real right to the point. Like, you know, he he's – God had a 4.0 his whole life. It's just real way different, but he keeps it super professional. Well, Boat Rug, he handles the football. So why don't you email him? 
Hey, don't come at me. He's a dog on Call of Duty. He's you better see, than you. Don't get soft. Yeah, he's no way angry on Call of Duty. But better, at the same so. time, he does not give but. me no, – he gives me no insight. He, he don't ever try to help me out on those kind of things. But at the same time, he wants Bo, us to email Bo Rub. But I, the, what you just said, though, is that we're losing exposure. And that is a – whatever whoever put that comment out and said that is obviously a direct lie when you go to the OHSA or the Ohio State Coaches Clinic and Ryan's day's main point on one of them was I have met with OHSA and fought tooth and nail to get spring football in here because we're missing out on recruiting in the state of Ohio just for this particular example. I won't say who, but that was directly from college coaches. So it's interesting. I think we need to adapt. I think we've been archaic for a long time. I think we're pushing hard. I think it needs to change. And as we close up, let's just handle this original debate. Can Ohio ever successfully have spring ball like other states? Donovan, what do you think? Can they? Yes, they absolutely could. Will they? No, I don't think they will. And if they do get it, I think it'll be a little, a little too chaotic to have that positive impact right away. My vote for right now, and I, you probably can tell, is a no. Ryan? Where do you think my vote is? You're a yeah. <laughs> that, mean, mo- that, that mother sucker is going to happen in the next five years, brother. Five? Ryan, all right, cool. Mm. All right, cool. We'll, we'll move on. Sned, what do you think, man? I think it could happen. Do I think it will happen? No. What I would like to see, though, is June be opened up at least. Sned just likes having his uh, springs off. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> Coach track for 10 years. Never had a spring off till I got here. Get out of here with that. All right, Sayers. Get us into our next and, and our final topic for today. Yeah, all right. Hold on. Let me let me take a look. Pull this script up because we've been just going off the top. That was a great segment there. Just going off the top of the dizzy there. Um, topic number two. Okay. Here we are. Um, We're honestly probably going to have to extend that. I want to talk to some guys down south and see how it is. Mm-hmm. Next one, boom! Be quiet, stout. You want me to intro, and then you're talking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what are we gonna do here, big kitty? Huh? Well, right now, so we're gonna intro to our next segment and off-season nuggets. Um, you guys all look like you're pretty fit, so you guys look like you haven't been eating too many nuggets. Yeah. Hey, what are you been doing on? What are we figuring out here? <laughs> I'll, I'll give you one that I've been thinking about for a while, and and I've talked to with with Coach Dad about this kind of the off season and coach Stout does a really good job of, of gauging his assistant coaches of how they want to grow and how they want to learn. And one of the things I talked to him about and put in my little note sheet was um, trying to keep my communication. You know, I'm not too far removed from playing O-line in college. And so the way it was communicated with techniques and drills is one thing and to translate that into high school is another. And so I've been trying to do that verbally and communication wise, but really looking at the drills and things that I can mimic from my time in college and seeing based on what the college NFL does into some viable way for these high school kids to learn. Cause if you popped on a, a drill, a drill tape from Notre Dame, we'd always watch that in the line room. If you tried to explain it, just like Harry, he stand it to high school kids. It's not going to work out well. And so you got to try and make it a viable way for them to be able to not just hear it, but like actually internalize it. And so that's been one of the things I've been trying to play around the game a little bit this offseason. And I think just to add to it, like it, like we talked about, and you've probably seen at this point, is 
how much slower you have to go. Mm-hmm. You, you think the kids are going to latch onto it the same way you could at that level or the level you just left. And we it, all agree, it, though, you got to do the bottom stuff. IQ is down when they get to us nowadays. So it is. I, I agree with you. I, agree. I think from even just my time of starting coaching, you know, obviously environments switch it. But like even my first year at Northland to like my fourth year, the the kids that are coming into me, and we don't have middle school football, which is unique, obviously. But at the same time, the IQs have been so low. I'm talking the simple stuff of the you're watching football on a Friday, Saturday night, on Sunday or whatever. Like, dude, we're we're talking like. We did last year. No, we kick a kick, right? It's it's a little pooch kick, whatever. The dude from Beechcroft doesn't even grab it or nothing. We literally get around it like it's a punt and it's a kickoff, dude. And we're just like standing around it, looking at the ball. And the like refs blew the whistle and like called it dead because no one picked it up and they gave it to Beechcroft. But we should have picked it up and would have been our ball. But it was just the fact that our kids literally did a circle around it and just like kind of left the ball there. Don't feel bad, man. It was a few years ago. And this was my second or third year coaching. Huge game. I was at Wadsworth. We were playing Nordonia. And we kick off to Denzel Ward. And all of you know that name. Okay. <laughs> the ball rolls at Denzel Ward and he stares at it. We scoop it up, and this is a big game to go to the playoffs and maybe even host a playoff game, win the conference. We get the ball to five yard, and he just stares on it. I'm with you, and, and that's a big thing we've talked about too is maybe taking our summer schedule and every summer practice doing a scenario because we're with you. I, 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 absolutely, we have to teach the game to the kids. From point one, though, like from, from point A, like they they just watch it and like watch. You know what the best thing is? I was just talking to somebody else. Was it like our kids watch highlights? So they think mm-hmm. every football play should be a highlight. They don't think about how the negatives come into play. They don't think about how you get a flag and you get pushback. You don't, they just don't see those things on highlights. None of us do. And YouTube has stunted the growth yeah. of kids when it comes to athletics. Right. And so what's your nugget, though, Sned? What are you chewing on over there? Uh, my big thing in JA, man, just going into my third year, is I'm still looking to to build culture, energy, and efficiency. So I've been reading a ton of books, talking to a bunch of our kids, started a, a leadership meeting, stuff like that. Like That's been the big thing we've been chewing on in the offseason, trying to build a team in my vision that you know I had when I first came here. So I'm still like – somewhat new to the game, still kind of getting my footing. And say, as you remember your third year, you said everything started to smooth out. You already had your big picture. I know what my big picture is. I know I got great kids. I know I got kids that work hard. Now it's just finding a way to get all those pieces and parts moving together. Um, And I I think we're on the right track. And and let me, about that journey, like, let's talk about that. Like you, you came in and Jonathan Alder, which had traditionally been a team that had won a lot of games, won conference championships, undefeated the two seasons prior to when I got there. And you come in, it's a bit of a rocky start. And I'm, I'm checking scores. Oh, and three. I'm saying first three games, not first year. So how did you get past that, that point where it seemed like it was the darkest of days and you felt that pressure? What pushed you past that? Uh, man, I tell you, it, it's it's my kids. I'm going to steal a page out of Sayers' book here. The kids that I had on that team 
Like it, it was instant the day I got there, just felt a connection. I knew how hard they worked. It's a good community. It's it's good culture all around. I love those kids and wanted it for the kids, probably more than they even wanted it for themselves. Like I was dying for them to get a win, not me. And that's what essentially pushed me each through those first three weeks. It was tough, man. It was hey, tough. How much hey Steph, how much weight did you lose your first year as being a head coach? I lost thirty five pounds my first year coaching and then like I had a ton I was going in with. I lost like 18 to 21 years. Johnny yeah. Mack, you lose any weight, my guy, on your first year of coaching? I he lost, lost any damn That's it. I lost about <laughs> maybe five or ten pounds, but my, my body kind of shed its own line with I know you're, you, you feed your guys well, I imagine. Right? Do, you make sure they're taken care of. And listen, my you know I, I kind of chiseled myself down after college anyway. Chiseled. I lost. Whoa. I lost. The Joe Thomas plan. Yeah. Yo, Kyle, chiseled. Is this man chiseled? Yeah, he's doing all right. He's doing all right. That's a good word. That's a nice word. Chiseled. He called yeah. himself chiseled. I wish Sounds I was good. He's doing okay. <laughs> Stan, I think all that stuff's good. What do you think, like, is the biggest thing that you changed this offseason that is going to enhance uh, enhance Jay football for uh, this next year to come up? Uh, biggest thing is – I know that was like a spot question, and I've been thinking I couldn't wait to ask this later on in the day. Yeah. It, it's good. Like I said, the, the culture thing has been a big focus, but another thing is trying to get my kids, like my, my playmakers. I got a, a dog at running back. I got a dog at inside linebacker. I got a dog at left tackle. And I got a bunch of kids that are really, really good around that too, that are young, still figuring stuff out. So for me is getting them to understand why we do what we do. Like what, why are we running a hip set and running wide zone? Like what, what's, what's the benefit to it? What's the advantage to it? So for me, it's trying to get them to understand that and buy into that. Um, as well as, like I said, the culture piece has been a big part. I mean, I, I tell you what, like for me, I love the off season. Uh, you get a time to just hit the refresh button, start thinking about who you're going to be next year. There's a lot of excitement. Uh, I'm a big I, I love watching other teams in the offseason. I'm a big clinic guy. Um, for me, uh, I've been studying Bigsby, Oklahoma high school football. Uh, and it, it has been fantastic. And some of the things they do and seeing the things uh, they do with some motions and things uh, and, and then big into the uh, San Francisco 49ers. Uh, I, I really love seeing some things to do. So I'm watching a lot of clinic stuff. I love the online clinics like coach tube and things. And like you guys said, culture, like Donovan and I we're we're taking over an offense that has had three offensive coordinators. We had defensive guys say we have no offensive culture. And I think last year we identified something and we're trying to build on that. Um, and, you know, me as a coach too, uh, I always like to fill my spirit up. And we talked about reading. Currently, I'm reading Chop Wood, Carry Water, right? And I, I, every year, I might read one or two books just to fill me up as a coach. Uh, and so those are some of my off-season things. Go ahead. Give me an audio book, baby. Hmm. Yeah, you can. I'll, I'll listen to that mug. I ain't reading it. So, hey, hey I got I to gotta give my high school coach a shout-out. So my high school coaching staff, Coach Me, graduated in 04. They're still all together. They go to the clinic every single year at Easton. I run into him every single year, make sure I see him. And uh, I've seen head, him. Yeah. Head coach is retired teacher, still coaching football. Great dude. Mails me a book in the mail. 
teach for God or lead for God's sake. That's what it is. And like, it's, it's a heck of a good read. Like just taking nuggets from other people. Yeah. The money bag or the axe yep. or the arrow. We actually, yep. first leadership meeting I led, yeah. we actually started with that. Like, hey, here's the big picture. You, John you buy Bowden. into too much. Like, you're you're stuck. You're froze. You're scared. That's a great You know, point. how are you going to do it? That's a good, that was one of my now, favorite. We still, I, I still went out of your book, right? The last week we had our little, um, we had our little podcast, right? And then on Sunday we had our coaches meeting, like our first official, like I've hired the entire staff with me to be dubs. We sat down, you know, in uh, at Easton. And we came up with our, um, our our details for this year and exactly, you know, our theme we're going to go mm-hmm. over um, and we're going to start introducing that next week. We're kind of putting a few things together for it, going to send it out. Build that journey, build that fable, right? More than just saying we're hashtag all in. Like build It just that ain't going to be all gas, no brakes, no more. As we start to finish up, I've been sitting on this, right? Sned, give the viewers your best ryan sayer story that we can say that's appropriate and doesn't get us banned okay <laughs> like, man you really narrowed the field on what i'm allowed to, we did, to say here what can you like this guy's comedic relief and the people gotta know okay sned let's think about this no. <laughs> He's, uh, hey I'm, I'm i'm gonna keep it easy i'm gonna keep it easy it'll be the first time i met sayers in the hallway when he came into the building where no you pull him and I came walking down, and I could see the dude's grin from the other side of Pick North. Like, it was gleaming. He was so excited to be there. And he dapped me up so hard, I thought he was going to throw me through the freaking locker next to me. And then was like, hey, 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 when are we going to start? When are we going to start? When are we going to start? <laughs> Just boom, 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 boom. Everything right at you, right there. And then, like, I think, like, 10 minutes into it, he's like, by the way, what's your name again? <laughs> Just so excited. I, th- I definitely remember um, – meeting sned and i remember you know engaging with him in the hallway and being like i remember like talking to hillary chapter and being like is he a coach again and i remember i asked like, <laughs> like 20 questions about coaching like at pick north whatever and i still was like so is that guy coach for football though like that's why you introduced me to him right and then here comes michael eddie edwards i had the two best like people to be my first people uh, to see. eddie's the man yeah and eddie I- was mad Cause he looked like a CrossFit guy, and, and <laughs> I told him that. And you know he's gonna be mad. I said that on here, but like he looks oh, yeah. like a CrossFit guy. And I asked him, I said, "Oh, you do a lot of CrossFit." And if you would have seen the look that I got, Stout, he almost killed me, and right in the middle of the hallway, my first day at Pig North. But I almost like, killed you. How about the first time? <laughs> one of the, my first summer there, I come like five minutes late. Martin Luther King Day, my day off. I drove 40 minutes to come to the weight room. And he, Ryan Sayers, this little twerp, tries to throw me out of the weight room. <laughs> like this second year coach, always oh, running the weight room, big bad guy, right? Tries to throw, he, he told me to push a plate. And I said, kick rocks. Like we almost fought right in the you, weight room. You right? did not push the plate, but did you stay in the weight room? I stayed. You tried to throw me out. I did not push that plate. I was not. I, and we had to sit down. I'm not pushing a plate for you. Get the heck out of here, man. Well, hey, I do it. Uh, you know, got to be done. If you're late, I firmly believe the coach has got to do the punishment. He's, out of, he's, out, of, he's out of control. Donovan, too. wrap this up before we fight on here right now. Listen, we, yeah, we got a little bit of everything. We got some local kind of news that we went through with the Under Armour All-American camp. 
talked about the future of the state uh, and then kind of gave a future from our perspectives or, you know, for our high school teams and, and, and what's going on with our, in our buildings. But obviously want to thank coach Stent for jumping on. We really appreciate you being here. The, the stories I've heard are fantastic. And this was even better. Um, of those appreciate so we, being here guys. Really appreciate you being on coach Stout. Yeah, it brings an end, man. We, we appreciate all of you for joining 614 Headsets. If you want to hear more, make sure you subscribe to our podcast on everything you could ever think of. Apple, <laughs> Spotify, Google, Pandora, iHeart, you name it, okay? And if you want to watch the stream, uh, go ahead and head to YouTube at 614 Headsets. Remember that this week, for the next week, whoever leaves a rating or a comment, we're going to randomly select one person for a big prize because uh, we want that. Help us grow, man. Show some love. All right. Uh, if you've got any ideas or you want to shout out, you can hit us up at Coach Stout GLHS on Twitter, Coach Sayers 50 or Donnie Mac 98. Uh, tell us what you think of the show. And next week, we're going to bring on my boy, Coach Jason Hale. And we're going to talk about from two and eight to champs. And I'm going to show you the largest man you've ever met in your life. <laughs> All right. So I crazy. love you all. You know what's crazy? That's a hell of a way to do it. We showed him the shortest man you ever seen. Your uh, oh, 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 no. well, cut it off. <laughs> you like two inches taller him. than me. I still love <laughs> him. All right, man. One love. Keep, keep this lifestyle up. We'll see you guys next week.